the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us. On Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer on this Monday. It is the 11th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022, eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. And we've got a lot of good good information for you today, a lot of important conversations to have with you today. And that, that literally means with you, not just for you. I will have some conversations for your benefit, including with Jim Jordan in about a half an hour at 935, uh, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. He's got a lot of thoughts on a lot of important things, as he always does. He's working very, very hard for us. I'm going to talk about his work, by the way, in a moment. And then coming up at 1010, we're going to talk to Kurt Schlichter. Kurt Schlichter is a senior columnist with townhall.com. He's a frequent guest. He's also a frequent guest host on the Hugh Hewitt Show. And he's got a new book out. And I'm very much looking forward to talking to him about uh, the fall and rise of America. Not the rise and fall, but rather the rise that is to come. We will come back from all of that which is plaguing us right now. It's a very, very inspiring book. And only... Uh, 
in, in, in a manner, really, that only Kurt can can explain. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. That'll be uh, Jim Jordan at 935 and Kurt Schlichter at 1010 this morning, our two guests. You need to be a part of the conversation with us uh, before, between, and after those interviews. So I welcome you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We're coming up, by the way, on a very, very important election. And I'm not talking about November. Of course, I would be and often do and will continue to talk about November. But the one I'm talking about is sooner than that, and it's coming up on August 2nd. And it is uh, the uh, uh, primary races in the statewide elections uh, for uh, state ho- uh, state house positions and for, in the ORC, for state central committee positions. These are so very, very important. I had a really nice conversation with a nice lady named Marjorie who contacted the radio station on uh, Friday, I believe it was. Yeah, it was Friday. And she said, I want to be actively involved in getting the uh, leadership changed, getting the direction of the Ohio Republican Party, which is not serving the people that put this party in power with veto-proof majorities in the Ohio House, veto-proof majority in the Ohio uh, Senate. The governor's office is a, is a wreck under Mike DeWine. I want to change the leadership there, too, but I don't know who to vote for. Who are the people that I vote for in the state central committee races? So it was very uh, smart of her to contact us and say, hey, what can you tell us? And, of course, I reached out to the people that I trust and said, give me the list of names that we need to share with people to get the incumbent uh, seat holders out of the uh, ORP and have them replaced with people who believe in reform, reforming the the ORP into a conservative uh, leadership, party leadership organization, I guess is the best way to say that, uh, rather than one that is just completely corrupt and, uh, and, and pledges fealty to rhino leaders like Mike DeWine. Bob Paduchik being at the top of that list, like Jane Timken before him, simply an absolute train wreck, an embarrassment. An embarrassment to Ohio politics. So anyway, uh, she's speaking up. This uh, caller and uh, and a number of other people are asking me the very same question: Who do we vote for? So I want to talk about that with you as the morning goes on as well, and really over the course of the next two and a half weeks until we have that election. Uh, those are very very important. Now before we get started with the top news of the day, I'm going to ask you patriots to please stand and face your flag if you have one nearby. If you don't, that's all right. Close your eyes and imagine. Uh, old glory waving in the breeze and uh, put your hand on your heart and join us for our pledge if you are a believer and if you are one of the now only 29 percent of americans left that approves of the job that brandon is doing in destroying this country that's right his approval rating is now down to 29 percent historic lows we are talking ridiculous numbers here But if you're still one of that 29% who says, yay, Brandon, you're doing a great job, well, then you have no idea what the flag that he is desecrating represents. So you are therefore exempt from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's a staggering number. It really, really is, that 29%. And and this isn't a Fox News poll, so nobody can accuse it of being push polling. Uh, That's not what this is. We're talking about Gallup. According to Gallup, 
29% of the voters approve of the job Brandon is doing. 58% disapprove. Now, if I can do the math real quick, 29 times 2. Yeah, twice as many people disapprove of the job that Brandon is doing as approve of the job he's doing. Only 19% of independents approve, so do that math. That leaves what? 81% of independents think he's doing a terrible job. Uh, among Hispanics, just 36% approve. That used to be a very, very, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Taken for granted demographic. I'll put it that way. That's a demographic that the Democrats could always count on as having strong support for them. But Hispanics have seen the light. 48% disapprove, just 36% approve. Uh, Democrats, only 63%. Now, again, that's 63% of Democrats who are just flat-out liars. They have absolutely no belief whatsoever in what Brandon is doing. They know it is harming this country in a very measurable way, measurable way especially because of middle-class Democrats, just like middle-class Republicans, middle-class everybody, suffering under the pains of this inflation, uh, inability to purchase things, inability to get things that if you do want to purchase them because of the disruptions in the supply chain and on down the line, everybody knows the troubles this uh, this country is in. But if you do find 63% of Democrats who approve of Biden and you say, what in the heck are they smoking? Understand this. There's fewer of them smoking it now than there were a year ago. That 63% is down from 88% last July. One year of Brandonomics, one year of Brandinflation later, And 88% of Democrats approving of Biden drops to 63%. Again, let me do my math. 88 minus 63. Yeah, that's 25% fewer Democrats support and approve of the job that Joe Brandon is doing. It's dropped five points in the last three weeks since June 20th. Only 36% of Democrats want Brandon on the ticket in 2024. His, his rating is so historically low. According to Gallup, only five presidents have ever sunk into the, into the 20s. Harry Truman at 22%, Richard Nixon dropped to 24%, Jimmy Carter, 28%, and the Bushes. George H.W. and George W., 29 and 25%, respectively. But Biden's is plummeting and 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 picking up speed. I mean, it really is. It's picking up speed as it declines. So Biden slash Brandon is in a very, very seriously precarious situation as it pertains to his power. There are more and more people now starting to sound the bell. And I'm talking about liberal Democrats and I'm talking about media figures, you know, starting to sound the alarm that, hey, you know, this guy, the more he struggles, the more he uh, trips over himself, the more he reads the wrong thing off the teleprompter, the more he gets lost in his thoughts publicly, the more times he's wandering around a stage or a room uh, in front of cameras not knowing where he's going, the more times he does and says and presents this way, um, the more it's very evident that age matters. He's 79, he's pushing up on 80, and he's going to be pushing up on 82 before he leaves office, and in and of itself, the age doesn't matter because there are very vibrant 80-year-olds. There are very, well, let's just say slower and cognitively declining 70-year-olds. Everybody ages in a, in a little bit of a different fashion. This particular guy is aging very, very poorly, at least pushing up on 80. 
Maybe he was aging okay in the 70s. I don't know. But the point of the matter is everybody, including Democrats, recognize the cognitive decline and his inability to continue forward. His inability to handle the task in front of him. He doesn't have the energy. He doesn't have the focus. He doesn't have the ability to process everything. He can't even read his cue cards straight, whether they be in the form of actual cards, which he flipped around at the podium a couple of weeks ago uh, and actually let be in view of the cameras, instructing him when to sit, instructing him what to say, instructing him on what to do every single step of the way because he cannot remember in his cognitive state how to do these things on his own or whether it's the electronic cue cards otherwise known as the teleprompter and the entire country has just been mesmerized over the last three days over this revelation that joe biden is ron burgundy now if you didn't see anchorman you don't know who ron burgundy is Ron Burgundy is a character on Anchorman in a movie called Anchorman, played by Will Ferrell, that was just so stupid. He was literally reading everything that was on the teleprompter. The producer of the newscast told the teleprompter writers he will literally read everything that's there. Don't put anything you don't want him to say out loud. Well, Joe Brandon is Ron Burgundy. This was the latest. Sorry about that. Always have to make sure we push one little switcher uh, to, so that you can hear this better. Let's do it again. What is it noteworthy uh, there, Mr. President? It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political or, or maybe precise, not and or or political power. The inability yeah. to read at the end of that clip, by the way, is not the part that we're talking about. If you missed it. And we'll try to get this this just right for you here. If you missed it, what they had on the screen for him, on his teleprompter screen as he's giving these remarks, is instructions to say a line and then, for emphasis, to repeat the line. But rather than typing the line all over again and just having him read it one after the other, they figured he could follow the instructions and just understand, repeat the line. means go back up there and read the line you just did again. And that's okay, except for the fact that he's Ron Burgundy, and he literally said it out loud. He literally read his instructions out loud. Let's try this again. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electric. Don't laugh at this out of cruelty. I don't chuckle, and I don't think you do either, out of making fun of people who are a little bit, you know, off their game, slipping a little bit, lost their fastball as they get into these ages where he is. Uh, But it kind of reminds you of Grandpa, doesn't it, when Grandpa just kind of launches off into a story and says things that he doesn't really understand or mean. He's that, except he's expected to be the leader of the free world. And as such, he is so incapable of doing these things on his own, they try to guide him through it by literally literally giving him a cheat sheet slash cue card everywhere he goes and for everything he does. He's not supposed to let you know that it's a cheat sheet. He's not supposed to know that he's being puppeted. That is, he's on the end of strings being dangled by Lord only knows whom. George Soros comes to mind, Barack Obama comes to mind, and many others. But the bottom line here is 
repeat the line was an instruction, not something he was supposed to say. Now, about the only thing more embarrassing than Biden's repeated uh, uh, line, rather his repeating or stating of the repeat the line line. This repeat the line. Repeat the line. Repeat the line. Repeat the line. I cut it like that for a reason. Because the only thing more embarrassing is the fact that the White House press secretary, no, I'm sorry, that would be not Corrine Jean-Pierre, the, she's, who's black and gay. Did you know she was black and gay? That 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 matters, apparently, to the left. Uh, they wanted you to know that when they appointed her. No, the deputy press secretary, the deputy press secretary, took to Twitter to defend uh, her boss, trying to tell us all that we are stupid and that what Joe Biden really said was, and this is Emily Simons is her name, Emily Simons, took to Twitter after this happened, and everybody on Twitter went crazy saying, oh, my gosh, look at this moron. He, he has literally lost his mind. He's reading the, the as Ron Burgundy would, he's reading the entire teleprompter. Emily Simons tweeted, quote, no, he said, let me repeat the line. As if to say he was saying it for emphasis, let me repeat that line. Blah, 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 blah. Did you hear him say, let me repeat the line? When you heard him say, repeat the line, repeat the line, repeat the line. I didn't either. But let's listen to it again. Let, let's let's give it its, its due context here. And tell me if, listening to it in full, you hear him say, let me repeat the line, as if he himself is going for emphasis here. Or if he is just a doddering, old, dementia-addled fool who can't follow simple instructions without giving them away from the teleprompter. Listen. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. End of quote. End of quote. Repeat the line. Quote. Repeat the line. Quote. Repeat the line. Repeat the line. Repeat the line. Repeat the line. He's Ron Burgundy. No matter how many times the uh, press secretary or the press secretary's secretary or whatever tried to tell us otherwise, this man is too, dare I just say it again, I and I know that we have senior citizens who I have a deep respect, uh, deep respect for. This is not an attack on senior citizens or aging because God willing I'm able to age to his age. God willing, I'm able to live to be 100. And when I start to decline, I'm going to accept it, and I probably am not going to be president of the United States when it happens. This is not about people who are of a certain age. It is about people who have lost their their simple mental faculties. They have lost their ability to think as clearly and to act as directly and as and as intentionally without accidental mistakes uh, that they may not have made in their younger years. And in this case, this guy is simply too old to be president. This is this is elder abuse. And perhaps that's why his approval rating is at 29%. All right, we've got a lot more to get into uh, on Joe Biden, who continues to lie. Not only does he make these mistakes unintentionally, he lies intentionally. He said when he was running for president that he's a man who, unlike his president a predecessor, would not pass the buck. He would not blame others for his own shortcomings. Well, he has been blaming Vladimir Putin. He's been blaming oil executives, and now he's blaming Republicans for the state of inflation, of energy, gas costs, and more. 
The man who said he wouldn't blame anyone is continuing to blame everyone. We've got that story and more coming up. Stay here. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 928, Always Right Radio at AM 1420, The Answer. I want to squeeze this in before I get to Jim Jordan after the bottom of the hour. I gave you the Biden numbers because uh, they're extraordinarily important. But context is also important. And you should understand that it's not just Biden that has historically low poll numbers. His willing accomplices in the American media are suffering through the same exact type of approval numbers. Trust in news has collapsed to a historic low. This is also a brand new story. The percentage of Americans who say they have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers and television news is at an historic low. Why does this matter? Because the erosion of trust in media is one of the most significant signs of deepening polarization in America. They don't believe that what they're being told on the nightly news or in their morning newspapers is real. They don't believe it's accurate. And they have a pretty good reason for that. And here's the most important part, because I don't have a ton of time now before we get to our news. This is extremely important. The gap between Republicans and Democrats is massive. Only 5% of Republicans surveyed in this massive study uh, said they had a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers, compared to 35% of Democrats. 8% of Republicans say they had a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in TV news, compared to 20% of Democrats. So you're saying, well, okay, first of all, neither one of them is very, very high, and that's true. They're not. But the gap is still significant between the two. But that's part partisanship. Those are Republicans and Democrats. But what about independents? And the answer to that is independents responded in a very close or similar way to Republicans, not to Democrats. Independents who don't declare with either party are more likely to see TV and newspaper coverage of news events in a negative way. In other words, they don't trust it. They don't have confidence confidence in it. Much more like Republicans than the Democrats. i got a lot more on that I'm going to talk about later because it matters, especially where do we fall into this as uh, conservative talk radio. We'll talk more about that later. Coming up now is the news. Following that, Congressman Jim Jordan right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 937, thanks for being with us on this Monday edition of Always Right Radio. Joining us now is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Repeat the line. Joining me now is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Jim Jordan joining us on AM 1420 The Answer. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Good morning to you. Um, You heard it. Repeat the line. Repeat the line. Repeat the line. Is this man too old to be president of the United States? You know, you know what the thing I'm always struck with is, um, you know how the audience always wants the speaker. It can, it can be like, you know, be a, uh, what, a speech at the local road, Rotary Club or something. You always want the speaker to succeed. It just because you, you're kind of rooting for him, and because if not, it's uncomfortable for everyone. If you got some speaker who's bad and can't can't put two sentences together and stumbling, mumbling around, you're, you 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 start looking down. You pull out your phone and start looking at the news, and unfortunately. That is the way we feel every time Joe Biden 
does any type of public appearance, whether it's a speech or whatever. Um, and it's, it's sad because, you know, uh, even, even though we're conservatives, Bob, you still want your president to, to be the president of the greatest country in history. And yet we have, we have what we have now. And it's, 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 you, you couple, you couple the intentionally bad policies with the fact that they, that, you know, this situation and you get, you get why nine out of 10 Americans think the country's on the wrong track. Very, that's very true. Um, and, and you're not wrong, of course. You know, you, you do hope, particularly if it's somebody who's your leader and your, you know, your president, yeah. uh, that they can, they can present themselves articulately and clearly and, and seem as though they're in charge. But when he does things like this, um, it, it, it makes you question his cognitive ability to function as yep. somebody needs to be to think on their feet. And now, Congressman, it's one thing for me and a conservative talk radio show or anybody else to this, but the New York Times and this. Yeah. This is this is why it matters now. Just two days ago, the New York Times, the headline at 79, Biden is testing the boundaries of age and the presidency, uh, and, quote, his age has become an uncomfortable issue for him and his party. When the left, when the Times is, is, is acknowledging that, look, this may not be something that's sustainable, not only for another term to come, but maybe for the rest of this one, now we got an issue here. Yeah, no, uh, it, it's because it's that bad. I mean, it, they know it's that bad. And, and frankly, let's be honest: the reason the New York Times is saying that is because they're, they're concerned about the political ramifications. They're concerned yeah. about what's going to happen in this midterm. They're concerned about what's going to happen when 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 I think President Trump is going to announce and going to run uh, that that President Trump's going to be president. And then you know the the swamp, the establishment, the bureaucracy doesn't have the power because President Trump's going to come in there and do what what he told the people he was going to do and what we elected him to do. So that's. That's the big picture why they're really concerned. But it doesn't just dismiss the facts that you have the chief executive who, who is who is where he's at, and it and it it's frustrating. It's it's wrong, and frankly, it's I would I would argue that that you know you compare key positions in the previous administration with key positions. Let me think about Janet Yellen. Four weeks ago, Janet Yellen said they were surprised by the 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 the, the, the inflation. I'm like. You, you spend like crazy, you pay people not to work, you drive up the cost of energy, and somehow you're surprised. Compare her to where Steve Mnuchin, who ran Goldman Sachs, who was the Treasury Secretary, I mean, you, you just see the difference in the administrations, not just from the chief executive, but from the people in key cabinet positions as well. Very well said. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio 4, and a ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, I want to stay on the president because for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, Biden said back in uh, in June of, of last year that he would not be blaming other people for things that go wrong. He said, unlike my predecessor, I will take the uh, take the blame when things go wrong. He's, he has spent literally the last six months minimum blaming Vladimir Putin, blaming yeah. oil, oil and gas company executives, blaming individual gas station owners. And now today, or actually yesterday, I guess it was, he's tweeting that it's it's Republicans' fault. Republican obstructionism is to blame for the state of our economy and the inflation. I, I, I'm waiting for one day. I'm waiting for one moment when he says, this is on me. I made some calls that I think were tough calls that may or may not be working out for us right now. I'm waiting for him to for for once to do what he said he was going to do, and that is take take blame. No, he's not going to. And, and you know, the idea that he's blaming Republicans when the last time I checked, uh, the, the the White House is controlled by the Democrat Party. The Senate is controlled by the Democrat Party. The House of Representatives is controlled by the Democrat Party. And everyone with the brain knows that the bureaucracy is, is controlled by the lefty. So, I mean, what? what? But, but somehow it's the Republicans' fault? Okay, okay, you can say that, but no one believes you. Uh, again, 88%, almost 9 out of 10 of our fellow citizens 
understand that this country is on the wrong track. And they, they think that, they believe that, they understand that, because it is. And anyone with a brain knows it. They know it's intentional. When you, imagine, when you, when you put together intentionally doing bad policy with people who aren't that smart, uh, you get the results we get, and the country understands it so much so that even the New York Times has to write about it, even though I still think their main concern is the political ramifications for all these bad policies. Yeah, I think you might be right. And, you know, we, we talk about this on a semi-regular basis, about whether, you know, which is worst for somebody who is in a position of leadership to be incompetent or to be dishonest, um, it, it, because neither is good. Uh, they're all going to lead to yeah. terrible things. Having said that, well, and when um, you have a combination, when you have both of them, is well, well we there you go. Both of them. <laughs> you read my mind because you know right, yeah. right now we're talking about competence, largely, well, not largely, but partially due to age and some of the conditions that we talked about. Um, but now let's talk about the dishonesty part. Now let's talk about the corrupt part. Joe Biden was revealed by Reuters last week. I spent uh, like five days covering this and talking about this, not only in a time of crisis, energy crisis, in a time of supply and demand issues, talking about shortage of gas and uh, and uh, uh, the commodities we need to create energy. At a time of that, he's already dipping into the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to the tune of a million barrels a day for 90 days for our use, which, again, is just a terrible policy. But then we found out that he is also taking at least five million barrels and sending them overseas to Europe, to India, and to China. Mm-hmm. In fact, what we found was that he sent at least one million barrels to a Chinese energy company that just so happens to be the energy company that Hunter Biden was invested in. Congressman, yes. I don't need to spell this out for you. I'll just let you react. Well, there's three huge problems. There's first, why are you dipping into the strategic reserve in the first place? Why not just do the right policy? That's for that's for. Big time emergencies in state of war. So first, he's dipping into the reserve instead of you know doing that. Open up the pipeline, uh, open up Anwar, allow more leasing on federal land. So he's dipping into the reserves. He's then selling it to China, our biggest global adversary. He's selling it to China, and then third, selling it to a company which looks like Hunter Biden had a financial stake in at least at one point. Maybe he still does. So you got three major, just three major dumb, crazy things to do, and yet he did all three of them. I, Again, this is this is why the country has figured it out. Why we've said this now many times. Why I think um, there's going to be a big change in in 120 days from today uh, in the in the midterm election. You know, um, I'm going to ask you about that just a little bit because I, I there was a one of your one of your speeches that you were making on the on the House floor just uh, last week. I don't remember which one it was to be honest with you because they're all very dynamic. But uh, somebody posted it on Truth Social, and somebody beneath that said, yeah, so what? He says he talks a good game, says the right things, but when is he going to take some action? When is he going to do something for us? And I couldn't help but go on there to say, look, what do you want him to do? He's one vote out of 435 on the House side, one vote out of 535 in the entirety of the U.S. Congress, and the opposing party has control. They have the majority. What do you want to do other than make noise, make speeches, and try to convince and sway people and to maybe change some hearts and minds into thinking the way things are being done now is wrong so that we can perhaps make a change in November so we can start taking those actions when we have a little bit of control? Uh, Does it it start to get a little bit bothersome to you that people say how come you're not doing anything well i I mean look i didn't see the post and i certainly didn't see the comments i I make a point not to read comments because you know there's so many lefty saying just ridiculous things but um you know the way american politics works is you you 
you you you debate, you point it out, you 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 bring out the facts and the truth, and then we have an election, and then the people decide who's going to represent them in the offices in our in our federal government, and then if you control the White House and the Congress, then you can make change. That's just how it works. And if you control it, it right now, we don't control any. But if we get the House back, then we can stop some of the crazy things they're doing. It'll be, it's going to be tough to reverse it and tough to make the change we want because Joe Biden's still going to have the veto pen. So, um, but you, you do what you can. You make the arguments. And I've always said at a, at a minimum, what I try to do is make sure that the good people in the 4th District of Ohio that I get the privilege of representing, I try to make sure they get the truth. They get the facts. They know what's happening, particularly in these investigations, because the committees I'm on, as you know, Bob, are the committees that do the, the, the most investigations in Congress. And I try to get to the truth, get to the facts, and make sure the country understands it. We are talking with Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio 4, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, and yes, hopefully maybe the chair of that committee after November and the elections. Um, I want to talk uh, a little bit about um, what's going on with respect to our justices. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, who has already been, you know, there was an attempted assassination of him. There's somebody now facing trial for attempted murder of Brett Kavanaugh. Um, this, of course, uh, right after the Roe decision. Um and and now he's being chased out of restaurants. Protesters are following these people, these justices around. Not only are they continuing to break U.S. law and protesting outside of their homes, now they're following them around and trying to make their lives miserable. And decency, decorum, unity, all of those things are what the Democrats promised they were going to bring back to the White House when they yeah. when they condemned yeah. and criticized President Trump and his personality quirks and whatnot. They said adults are going to be back in the room now. Well, while all of these protests and all of these dangerous threats and intimidating and harassment uh, are going on, um, they're encouraging it. Congressman Pete Buttigieg was on live television yesterday saying, hey, people yeah. are upset. They're allowed to protest First Amendment rules. Joe Biden says, I hope they keep it up. I hope people keep protesting because we have to, you know, uh, convince to, and I, I'm assuming he's calling for the protesting of his own party, Mansion and Cinema, because he said we need two more votes uh, uh, to, to be able to codify Roe into law. So you understand the point here. They're literally encouraging this sort of illegal, and even in cases where it's not illegal, it is certainly, uh, you know, very vitriolic type of protesting in order to advance their own agenda. Yeah, and meanwhile, Pete Buttigieg is transportation secretary, and we got five dollar gas. Maybe, maybe focus, maybe focus on something that actually is in your 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 jurisdiction, so to say. Um, this is the last. I mean, look. I, I, I want, I want a, a, the most robust First Amendment we can have. But specifically when it comes to Supreme Court justices, there is a statute on the books, and the statute is there when, it, when, when this kind of activity, protesting at justices' home, is designed to intimidate justices. And we know that's what took place because it happened after the leaked opinion. After the draft opinion was leaked, that's when it started. So that is directly on point with the statute. These individuals are trying to influence a Supreme Court justice so much so that they convince some crazy guy to try to assassinate. I don't know if that's ever even happened in our country before. We had an assassination attempt on a, on a Supreme Court justice. So that's the difference here. Yeah, look, I, I have to live with people yelling at me, swearing at me, different things that's happened out in public. You know, that, that, that's, I get all that. I think it's wrong. But the First Amendment's the First Amendment. But this is different because it was designed specifically to intimidate the court and influence a case pending in front of the court. That's why the statute's in place, and Merrick Garland refuses to enforce the statute. 
Yeah, he does. And that's the most aggravating part about this. There are laws on the books, and the Department of Justice and the Attorney General, the top cop of the country, is saying ignore those laws. Let this happen. Why? Because, quote, people are upset. Last thing for you, uh, Congressman. Since uh, we're talking about bodily autonomy, and the left is saying that the Dobbs decision and thus the Roe overturn, it uh, it's taking away the, uh, the, the the right of women to decide what happens with their body. Meanwhile, headline, over 60,000 soldiers are about to have their pay and benefits cut from the U.S. Yep. Army Reserve and the Army National Guard for not following the VAX mandate. So I'm trying to figure out, do people have bodily autonomy or do they not? Because the left has given us two different stories here. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is the, 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 the idea that what's happened to our military. There, there's like pilots, hundreds of pilots, who are, who are, who are going to lose their, their chance to serve in our military. Well-trained. I mean, they had a story last week. This guy was near the top of his class at the Air Force Academy, great pilot. His parents were pilots, and, and he want, he's always wanted to be a fire pilot, test pilot, everything else. And he's going to have to leave because of this vaccine mandate. And oh, by the way, remember, this was the vaccine that they told us, if you got it, you can't get the virus and you can't transmit it. Um, so right now, the military is only, I think the Army is only about at 40% of its recruitment goals for this year. So how are we how are we going to have how are we going to maintain the greatest fighting force in history if we can't meet our recruiting goals and we got people we invested so much tax money into train and we're kicking them out of the service it, it makes no sense but again this is today's crazy left that is in full control of our government when when, when that happens you get all kinds of bad policy bad decisions and that's exactly what we're seeing well, I could not agree more, and I've said this to you before, and I hate the redundancy, but I really, really hope that our diplomacy game is A-plus, because if we fail at diplomacy and end up in a military conflict with a country like China or anybody else, I think we're in deep, deep, deep trouble because of the state of the military under this administration. I'll leave it there yeah. for you, Congressman. And, it's not, and, it's, yep. it's, and it's, I would just say, Bob, and it's not the, it's not the men and women in uniform. These are, it's the leadership. It's, it's, it's Austin and it's Biden. It's, it's the, it, that's the difference. And, and I know you know that and your listeners know that. But it's so sad what uh, what they're doing. Absolutely right. Of course, that does not speak. It's like the FBI. We don't talk about the individual yep. agents yep. following orders. Yep. It's the direct direction of their superiors that we are talking about that put us in very serious jeopardy. Congressman Jordan, thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. We'll you talk bet. to you again soon. There's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 9.52. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. Might have time for a call or two if you want to fill fill that spot. 216-9010945. Then after that call or your calls and after the top of the hour news, Kurt Schlichter will be back with us. He's got a book. Senior columns from townhall.com has got a book out. We'll be back. The The Fall and Rise of America. We'll be talking to him coming up, too. Stay here. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Nine fifty eight now. Always right radio. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. So Jim uh, Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan, and I were talking about this New York Times article, and you know it is important to point out the goal here, and the goal is protecting the left and the Democrat Party politically. Uh, it's not about actually being concerned about Biden, concerned about what Biden is doing to this country, because in part because of his cognitive issues. It, it's it is all about trying to prop the base up a little bit for November. 
But the New York Times writing this is pretty astounding. When President Biden leaves Tuesday night for his four-day swing through the Middle East, he will presumably be more rested than he would if he had followed the original plan. The trip was initially tacked onto another journey last month to Europe, which would have made for an arduous 10-day overseas trek until it became clear to Mr. Biden's team that such extended travel might be unnecessarily taxing for a 79-year-old president. Or crazy, as one official put it. I'll stop there. That's all. That's all you need to know. The Biden team knows that this man couldn't handle a 10-day trip, which means that he's not up to the job. He is physically and mentally not able to handle 10 days of traveling and international diplomacy. 10 days of traveling and talking to reporters and world leaders from Europe and from the Middle East. Not able to do it. They had to cut it down and separate it into two different trips because he's too old and decrepit and and he's too um, cognitively impaired. He can't stay focused for a long enough time to handle these things. And we've seen him when he gets a little bit fatigued. We've seen him. Fake clapping. We've seen him reaching for hands that aren't there. We've seen him gesturing to people that aren't there. We've seen him stumble and bumble and fumble and try to remember lines because his brain cannot work the way it used to. And that is not an indictment of him as a human being because he's just that, a human being. And human beings, many of them, as they age and push up on 80, they can't do things they once were able to do. That's Joe Brandon. He cannot do the things he once was able to do. And if the New York Times notices it, well, then it's time for everybody to notice it. We'll take our time out of here. We'll get our newscast. And on the flip side, we'll come back and do exactly what we said we were going to do. And that's talk to Kurt Schlichter, senior columnist for townhall.com, about his new book. We'll be back. The Fall and Rise of America. I like it. That conversation's next. AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Monday, the 11th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan. We have a lot to follow up on on uh, what uh, Congressman Jordan had to say. We'll do that in just a bit. But right now, I'm going to bring on our next guest. You know him. He is already a best-selling author, the author of Conservative Insurgency. Militant Normals, a USA Today bestseller, uh, the 21 biggest lies about Donald Trump and you, and his latest is We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America. And you know I speak of Kurt Schlichter, a senior columnist for townhall.com, a Los Angeles trial lawyer, and a retired U.S. Army infantry colonel. Repeat the line. And a retired U.S. Army infantry colonel. Repeat the line. And a re- oh, I'm sorry, I better stop there. Kurt Schlichter, back on AM 1420, The Answer with us. How are you, my friend? Well, Bob, it's right that you praise me. I'm pretty amazing if I say <laughs> so myself, which I do. Well, do you um, want to repeat the line? 
Uh, no, because I'm not a desiccated old pervert like uh, our alleged president. What 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 is that called? Pedo Pete. That's what that's what his his son calls him. Apparently, I mean that is an astounding okay, thing. Let's, let's just let's take a step back. His meth addicted stripper feel like pervert son calls him Pedo Pete. How is that a good thing? Well, you know, that's Russian disinformation, of course. You can't trust that laptop. That whole thing is Russian disinformation. Isn't that what they told oh, us? Oh, uh, Yeah, yeah. That, that's it's, that's it's, what we were talking about. The whole thing is Everything about Joe Biden is gross. You know, you know, Kurt, it's, Kurt, it's more than gross, though. And and obviously, we're going to talk about your book, but but let's riff for a moment or two here. It's more than just gross. It is so extraordinarily dangerous. What we are talking about here, the fact this man, I mean, the disgusting family affairs, notwithstanding the fact that his daughter says he used to shower with her at an age in which it was very inappropriate, and that his son calls him pedo Pete twenty three, <laughs> right? I mean that that in and of itself, but but. What what blew my mind that we found out last week is that in a time of national energy crisis, um, gas is five bucks a gallon. He's taking not only our strategic petroleum reserve, which we do not need to spend down even on American use, because we just need to go back to you know producing, drilling, exploring, drilling, refining, and producing our own energy the way we did for four years under Donald Trump. But he's spending it down here, but. But, Kurt, he's sending it overseas, not only to Europe, not only to India, not only to Asia, big uh, 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 writ large, but specifically to China and more specifically to a Chinese energy company that had a contract with and enriched his son, Hunter Biden. Now we're talking about literally quid pro quo. You gave my son millions. I will send you American energy. You know, if we only had some sort of institution that would provide, I don't know, media outlets that would investigate and hold political guys accountable, that would be great, because then you could really shine a spotlight on that. But you got to understand, Bob, the, 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 the Democrats approve of this. This is okay with them. This is why they got into office, to wield power and to steal money. And uh, as I say in the book, we'll be back, The Fall and Rise of America, which I've mentioned 82 times. Uh, this, this is not a, a mistake or a tangent or some freak of science. This is exactly how they want things to be. They want us oppressed, they want, and they want them uh, uh, basically shearing us like sheep. Yeah, that is, that is it's, you know, and they, they had no problem making that known they didn't hide it they didn't they didn't cover it they basically said you'll do what we tell you to do and you'll like it and people said okay uh and and it, not everybody obviously but enough of them uh said okay and uh and they were able to install him as president so now, now we could very well talk about the title of your book and just say in the last year and a half you could write a book on the last year and a half of the american fall if you will uh but of course you're not writing about just the last year and a half when you talk about the fall and rise of america let's get to that let's talk about about this. When did the fall to which you refer in this book begin, and what was the cause? Well, the book begins at a time and place that I happened to be there, and I didn't realize it was so significant at the time, because I was kind of busy, you know, making sure my guys didn't get killed. Uh, I happened to be at 7th Corps Main Command Post in uh, uh, Saudi Arabia during the Gulf War, and in 100 hours, uh, 7th Corps, which is a 100,000 uh, soldier 
uh, armored, you know, the most powerful military formation in human history, essentially annihilated the entire Republican Guard. I mean, it just wiped it off the map. This was a military victory of such magnitude uh, that, that, that we don't really even understand how big it was. And I didn't at the time. But when it was over, America was absolutely undisputed as the hyper power in the world, not only culturally and socially, but militarily too. Uh, China looked at us and said, I, we, we can't even compete with this. The, the Soviets were, oh my God, they, you know, we're, we're, we're just not even the same league. No one was. We were at this pinnacle, and ever since, it, it, except for little bumps up here and there, like when Trump came in, uh, it's been a downhill slide. Um, tell me about the slide. You told me about the pinnacle, and I understand why. Tell me about the slide. What, what led to that? Well, look, uh, I think the main problem is our, our society is run by cultural trust fund babies. You know, we had that, you know, the greatest generation that beat Hitler, they beat the Depression. That's a pretty good achievement. The guys in the 60s, they uh, changed America for, uh, with the Civil Rights Revolution. They put a man on the move. Pretty impressive. Uh, the people running things now have given us, uh, you know, Grinder and Red Bull. These are not super big achievements. Uh, you know, everybody knows uh, Henry Ford, uh, you know, cre- essentially created, manufactured, put a car in every garage. Pretty impressive. You know, the second generation of the Ford, they, they built the corporation up. They, they gave us the Mustang. The third generation of Fords, can you name a single one of them? They're probably in a fusion outside a crack house with Hunter. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, really, and that's the same thing. It's cultural trust fund babies. These people get credentials from uh, uh, Harvard. They are unaccomplished. They didn't build anything. They have no interest in it. They they didn't believe. They didn't get through hard work. They just believe they uh, got it from some sort of uh, divine right that they're somehow better and have a right to rule over us. But they're unaccomplished losers, which gives me hope, Bob, because I look at these. Weirdos, losers, and mutations with their stupid hair and their uh, idiotic insistence that men can become women through the power of wanting. And I, I just look at how they've broken everything that they've touched. And I think, how can we possibly lose to these nitwits? So that's the rise part that's to come. It's just that we can't lose that's to these part types of, the of people. Rise. I, okay. I think we're seeing the rise all over. Glenn me... Youngkin, uh, the rise of uh, Latinx voters leaving the Democrat Party, uh, which is a huge story, and nobody, and and of course the mainstream media doesn't talk about it because the mainstream media is simply a uh, regurgitates regime narrative talking points. Um, you know, there was a time when the New York Times was respected. Do you know a single conservative who respects the New York Times except Donald Trump, which is one of his greatest mistakes. He still has residual uh, respectful institutions, uh, despite how they keep burning them. Uh, the next guy will not. I mean, if you look at uh, today, I saw New York Magazine put out the real danger is on the Yeah. Kurt, I, yeah. I want to... I, I, uh... I'm loath to to play yo-yo here and go back and forth, but I kind of want to do that. I want to go back to where you started there when you talked about the pinnacle and you talked about that tremendous victory. Um, 
military victories are huge for the uh you know the ego if you will of a country for the you know confidence and the self esteem look what we can do and look what we did however that victory came in a war that became very very unpopular did the slide begin or the fall as you call it in the fall and rise of america begin not long after victories like that, just because there was such a huge divide in the country about the validity of the Iraq War, the weapons of mass destruction argument, and so forth. No, you know, the slide began because the uh, the second Iraq War, the second phase of it, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, you know an establishment decision that, as usual, was poorly planned, poorly thought out, strategically uh, incompetent, and executed uh, with absolutely no consideration that these would actually have to do the dirty work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, George Bush, who, who's a disaster on every level, okay? Uh, and, and, and I don't want to hear any more about his character. This is a guy we defended for eight years, wouldn't defend himself because he was a gentleman. And then Barack Obama comes in, he's still shutting his mouth as this guy's crashing us. Again, the guys who had uh, George Bush's back. And then when his fat, stupid brother uh, was rejected by us because of his gross incompetence, Bush, uh, Bush uh, sided with his new friends, uh, Bill and Barack, yeah. and attacked us. So this guy's got no character. He's got no class. I wish he'd have the decency to shut his mouth and to draw pictures of the guys he named for his own ineptitude. Yeah, it's, I'm glad you pointed that out, and I'm glad you clarified that, because, you know, the, the, the Iraq War, the 2003 invasion, and, and the argument over weapons of mass destruction kind of essentially led to the, the rise of Barack Obama. Um, I, I'm not necessarily certain whether anybody could have beaten, you know, him or not, but, but certainly coming off of, you know, the eight years of Bush and coming off of, like I said, the, the, the national discord over the issue, over the issue of that war in and of itself, here comes Barack Obama, uh, full of hope and promise and hope and change and everything else that he did. Um, can you try to try to explain its role, just the Obama presidency itself, in this fall that we are are going to rise back, or as you point out in your book, that we're going to have to rise back up from? Well, look, I think I think a lot of uh, uh, first of all, Americans were looking around uh, for 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 something outside of the uh, uh, establishment. Because the establishment completely failed. Uh, as we, we like to say, you know, the, the professional conservatives conserved nothing. And you had Bush leave uh, with an economic disaster and a military disaster. And I said, well, we'll go with Barack. And plus, you know, he's a black guy. We'll, we'll, we'll vote for him, and we'll show that we are no longer racist. And, of course, that didn't work. Uh, they, you know, they got called racist twice as hard. Uh, so you had very alienated people with Barack Obama because you couldn't find anything, any answers on the right side of the establishment or the left side of the establishment. It was all going to be this decline. And that's, that's kind of the thing. These guys manage decline and don't seem to care about it. Jobs go overseas. They don't care. Wars go on and on. They don't care. Uh, the middle class gets broken. They don't care. In fact, they, they kind of think it's okay because, you know, and we're seeing it today with high gas prices. They, they like high, they, the establishment likes high gas prices because they don't like the idea that we're free to drive around anywhere we want, like 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 we're allowed to run our own lives. Uh, that's why Trump came along. Trump was outside this paradox. 
Trump was talking, Trump came along and talked about issues people cared about, like, you know, the border and ending wars. And that, I mean, the establishment didn't know what the hell to do. And then, of course, they beat the ultimate establishment creature, the smartest woman in the world, Colonia Milhouse on pantsuit. And uh, the establishment declared war on us to ensure that we were disenfranchised now and forever. And uh, uh, they succeeded in 2020. I don't know if they'll succeed in the future because it just keeps getting worse. You look at Glenn Youngkin, you look at the change in uh, Hispanic Americans, you look at the backlash against, uh, you know, perverted groomers in schools. And, uh, and it's happening around the world, too. You look at Sri Lanka, you look at Holland. Um, the, the failure of our unaccomplished establishment, and it is a failure. The ruling class is A, greedy, B, incompetent, C, stupid. And it's it's falling apart. You you mentioned Donald Trump. Um, was was he a part of the rise? And since they ran him off, in my view, completely illegitimately installing Joe Biden as, as president, because I, I do not believe that the uh, election was not stolen from him, no matter how many times uh, you know we are told that. Um, since they ran him off, and now they're in the midst of these January 6th uh, show trials in order to stop him from being even eligible to run again in 2024 to try to reclaim that throne, um, how, how, does, how does the entire Trump story fit the fall and the rise? Uh, look, Trump was the first attempt to move outside the establishment. It was the first time the American people rejected the establishment and said, we're going to try something new. And, of course, that terrified the establishment. Yeah. And they got the most establishment guy ever. I mean, look, I mean, look you, you look at Joe Biden, uh, that, uh, you know, desiccated old crustacean, and he is the actual embodiment of the establishment. He is stupid. He is corrupt. He is incompetent. He's old. That is the that that is who we're fighting. Joe, Joe Biden is the manifestation of everything we're fighting, uh, and absolutely certain of his own rightness and his own genius. He's got this unearned arrogance that you know it'd be hilarious if he didn't have his finger lurking over the button. Um, Trump was step one. Look, the enemy always gets a vote; they always fight back, but. Things are not moving their way. They're they're just they're not smart enough to pull this off. They're not tough enough to pull this off. And uh, the American people are not this thing. But look at the every thought. When was the last time you went to a uh, uh, could have got, had gone to a store and not been able to get exactly what you wanted? I I did a speaking gig. Uh, they want I want uh, they wanted to have more tables. The the place that we can't we can't give you more tables and sold out. But we can't because we can't count on getting chicken for the meals. And it's like since the 1940s when we had rationing during wartime. Have you ever heard of a time when American could go to a store and essentially get what he wanted? It's crazy. But well, that, you know, and not just food. Yeah, and not just food. But, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when anything. we used to ship food and supplies to third world countries that needed yeah. it. And now we're begging other countries to send us formula, baby formula, for crying out loud. It's yeah. Coming in- <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I don't think Americans are uh, ready to uh, uh, accept that. I think, I think a lot of leftists love it because that puts Americans in their place. Agreed. You're too rich. You're too powerful. Um, 
but you know, Americans are like, well, yeah, that's a good thing. So, Kurt, everything you're saying, you know, I I completely concur with. Um, Why are you optimistic then? Your book is called We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America, The Rise to Come. I mean, everything we're talking about right now, the institution of tyranny over the people, the uh, open assault by the executive and the legislative branches on the judicial uh, judiciary because they didn't like some of the decisions that were made by this court. Um, all of these things that are going on right now, to me, seem like um, uh, you know it's, it's the rise and the fall, or at least the fall becomes a further fall. Why are you optimistic that we're going to turn this around, and when? Like, a, like those home improvement shows, Bob, I think America has good bones. I think we, the Constitution is a great document. The American people are a great people. And uh, we are blessed with enemies who are stupid and incompetent and greedy. And I, like I said, I can't see being beaten by these people. I just can't see it. The only problem I have with that, Kurt, because I agree, by the way, and I try to bring a, a note of optimism to my program every day. And when I do speaking engagements, people appreciate that because we do. We need some hope. And I do. And I say it not just to provide false hope, but I do sincerely mean it. But I'm asking you about it because so much of that pivots on whether or not we have a free and fair election in November and can retake the House and the Senate and begin to, to lay the groundwork to retake the White House in 2024. And based on what happened in 2020, I don't know if we're going to have free and fair elections. Do you? No, I do not know. Uh, I lawyered for the president. Uh, I saw fraud. Uh, I saw a total lack of preparation. We were not prepared for the legal fight. And, uh, again, Trump was the commander-in-chief. It was his job to make it happen. He didn't make it happen. He's got an answer for that. Um, but, uh, look, the, the main electoral problems are in certain urban areas. Um most of which are blue anyway, so I don't see a huge problem in 2022. In 2024, uh, we've already seen several states act to fix these problems, Wisconsin, Georgia, yeah. uh, and we need to have lawyers on the ground to litigate out these uh, shifty rule changes. we got to prepare, and we got to fight. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right about that, but, you know, it's... Um... It's kind of telling when you have the Department of Justice under Joe Biden literally suing the state of Arizona for daring to institute a new rule that says you must prove you're a United States citizen before you can cast a vote. And that's literally saying we want non-citizens to vote because we think they'll vote Democrat. The DOJ is doing that, Kurt. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, no, you've correctly assessed the situation. They want to cheat. They don't have any love of a democracy, despite how many times they whine about it. Is part of the rise that that follows this fall, does it involve a, a second term for Donald Trump? Or would this country rise if Donald Trump steps to the side and takes the polarization that he brings with him and allows a DeSantis or a Pompeo or somebody else to step forth? Well, I'd like to see a primary. I'd like to see him make the case that he's the right guy again. He might make it. He's got, there are a lot of good reasons to have Donald Trump. Uh, there are also some problems he had. Let's see it. May the best man win. No coronation, though. Yeah, and the prop the problems for me by the wow it's ten thirty we blew right past it the problems for me are are less of his making than they are that his 
he he engenders such a hatred in the opposition, unlike anyone else we have ever seen in human history. No, I mean that you talk about crawling over broken glass to vote to stop Donald Trump. The Democrats will blow things up to stop Donald Trump. They'll 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 create election fraud. They'll do whatever it takes to stop this guy. And that to me is what makes it a rough proposition if he is our standard bearer going in, into into twenty four. Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> it very well may be. Kurt Schlichter says we're going to win the challenges. The book is called We'll Be Back. It's a regnery book. You can find it on Amazon. and uh, prob- Where else, Kurt, besides Amazon? Or are we just going with that? Just go with Amazon. Get my numbers up. There you go. Get them up there. Make this another bestseller for Kurt Schlichter. We'll be back the fall and rise of America. Kurt, always enjoy uh, talking to you, and I certainly enjoy reading you as well. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks for having me. You got it. That's Kurt Schlichter on AM 1420. The answer took us right to the news. How about that? Uh, the bad news was we didn't have any time for you in that half hour. The good news is we have plenty of time for you now through the rest of the show. So for the next hour and 15 minutes, dial it up. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Always Right Radio is coming right back. of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Always Right Radio online at alwaysright.us. On air, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. No matter how you listen, uh, make sure that you do indeed listen. So there's a... There's a couple of things that we need to follow up on. First of all, in the first segment of the show, I was talking about Joe Biden's uh, approval ratings dropping down to a record low, 29%. He's one of only four presidents now. Uh, and I'm sorry, joins four other presidents now to have suffered such uh, such a, an ignominious uh, fate here, to be down into the 20s. Um, but then we also started talking about the fact that he's not the only one suffering. His allies that carried the water for him are suffering just as much. A massive new Gallup survey of Americans has found much less confidence in major U.S. institutions, particularly media institutions, than they were even just a year ago. Significant declines for 11 of the 16 institutes tested and no improvements for any of them. The largest declines in confidence, and maybe this, this, and you can tell me about this at 216-901-0945. The largest declines in confidence are 11 percentage points for the Supreme Court, as reported in late June before the court issued their controversial rulings. And this, of course, is after the leak. Uh, so there was an 11-point decline in confidence for the Supreme Court. 15 points for the presidency as an institution, not specifically for Joe Biden. That matches the 15-point drop in Biden's job job approval rating, by the way, since the last survey in June. But specific now to the media, those who carry the water for uh, for the Democrat Party and for, obviously, President Joe Biden. Trust in news from the television side, which, of course, would indicate networks primarily, and from the newspaper side, has just absolutely plummeted because the American people know. The American people have watched it happen. Uh, they have watched on a daily or a nightly basis, turning on the news and, and finding just absolutely non-credible reporting. Uh, they turn on the news and they see one-sided, slanted reporting, unlike anything they've ever seen before. 
And that's understandable given the fact that um, the, the network news agencies are populated by people who donate to Democrat causes over 90% of the time. Let me say that part again. Oh, I'm sorry. How do I do that, Joe Biden? Repeat the line. Yeah. Repeat the line. Over 90% of the time, when donations are made from people working in American network newsrooms, they go to Democrat causes. So there's just no question that their bias is obvious, and it, and it can't be checked. And the American people are catching on. The American people are watching this. So let me give you uh, some of the specifics and tell you how it matters and why it matters. And this is the important part is the why. Um. of Democrats, 73% indicate a positive view of the American mass media. 73%. Just 10% of Republicans. And as I started to say in the first segment, or second segment of the show, like, okay, well, that's expected, this massive gap between the two. So what? We're a a very divided, two-party, two-ideology country. So, you know, yeah, you're going to see that. But the true test there which is what I was trying to hit on, is what about the non-Democrats and non-Republicans? What about the non-party affiliated? What about the independents? What about the centrists who are truly issues-oriented and not ideologically oriented? What about them? Do they trust the news? Well, the answer is they are far, far closer to the Republicans than they are to the Democrats. Independents, only 36%. Only 36% trust mass media. That means big television, that means network television, and the newspapers. As I gave you before, a couple of the, the lines, a couple of the, of the lines before, when it comes to specifically um, what they're calling, uh, what they're calling a strong support or belief in media, specifically, um, it's down for everybody. It's down in the news business to the tune of 16% for Democrats and 11% for Republicans. And these numbers are uh, more specific as well. Just 5% of Republicans say they have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers. 35% of Democrats say it that strongly. 8% say a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in TV news. Only 20% of Democrats say that, again, very specifically, and say, and that's a very strong statement. But most most of all... Um, the, the the trust and the belief that the media is giving you the truth is declining in both areas. It's just that there's still a huge gap between Republicans and Democrats. Now, let's take that and kick it to the curb for a second and say, well, that's only part of the places we get our news, places we don't trust. How many people open up their phones rather than their newspapers in the morning to see what's in the news? And how many people tap the first app that they tap is Twitter? They go to Twitter or they go to Facebook to see what's going on. And this has also been borne out by poll and survey results, that more and more Americans are turning to their phone apps and essentially what are one-sided opinion pages or opinion collections, um, you know, um, amalgamations, if you will, of viewpoints um, in, in one location to get their news. And who's running Twitter? Which brings me to one of the other huge stories of the day. Leftists run Twitter. Elon Musk bought Twitter and was about to change Twitter to erase that leftist bias and to allow all viewpoints to be heard. So maybe we could have a little bit of faith in the social media since we have lost complete faith in the mass media, the legacy media. 
And now even that is gone. Because Elon Musk has announced that he is withdrawing his offer to buy Twitter at the price upon which it was agreed, that that deal was agreed. And the reason why is Twitter has been lying, essentially. Elon Musk says that they said that less than 5% of the number of accounts that they had were bots or fake accounts, were not real accounts. And the reality is closer to 20 to 50%, according to what reports have said now. In other words, Twitter is a fraud in terms of the number of people it reaches. And since Elon Musk wanted to reach all of those people with his own products and his own advertising and so forth, the company isn't worth anywhere near what he was offering to buy it for. Twitter has lawyered up, by the way, and planned to sue Musk for moving to drop that $44 billion takeover of the social media platform. Now, I'll come back to the issue here, which is the news aspect. I'm not trying to chase this this rabbit here, but understand this part because it is important. Twitter originally opposed the Elon Musk purchase, the Twitter board, because they didn't like him bringing his lack of moderation to their platform. They like moderation. They like regulation. They like to make sure that they and their moderators decide which viewpoints are allowed to be heard and which ones must be suppressed, if not outright censored or banned. Right? So they didn't like the idea that Elon Musk was coming, and he offered all of this money, and they were just livid over this whole thing. Right? Then uh, Elon Musk makes an offer that they cannot refuse, with respect to various you know, investments and so forth that I can't even get into the weeds in, into, but they realize that if they say no to this, the value of the stock, the value of their company is going to plummet and they're going to lose a ton of money. They have to do, fiduciary by, uh, by way of fiduciary responsibility, they had to do what is right for the shareholders. So they're saying, okay, well, we have to do this now. So they make the agreement in principle. Then here comes Elon Musk saying, okay, now I want to venture into this and let's see how many of these accounts are real and I need some proof of that. And they say, no, we don't want you to see how many accounts are real. We don't want you to see how many of them are bots, how many of those are fake, how many of those are, are manufactured. And so now they're going to so sue him. Be quiet. So now they're going to sue him, Elon Musk, for not buying what they didn't want him to buy. And in order to prove that he has to buy what he said he would buy for the price he would buy, they have to go into court and open up the books to show how many people there are versus how many bots. Does that make sense? You following the, the, the logic or the path there? Twitter's board said, we don't want to sell. Musk said, I'm going to make it so you have to sell. They say, darn, I guess we have to sell. And then, Twi- then Musk says, now as far as the price, I need proof that what I'm buying is what you're selling, that there are as many people on this platform as you say there are, that many eyes that I can use for advertisers, right? And then they say, no, we don't want to show you how many there are. Then he says, well, then I'm not buying. And now they have to literally sue him to buy what they didn't want him to buy. And in the course of it, they have to are going to have to present uh, evidence that the number of platform users that they have is legitimate. So he's running circles around them. Now, while the entertainment factor of that is high, and I'm kind of having fun here watching Twitter, watching uh, Elon Musk rather laugh at these clowns. Uh, and he did tweet, by the way, he tweeted a picture of him laughing or three pictures of him laughing. One, they said I couldn't buy Twitter. Two, they, then they wouldn't disclose bot info. Three, now they want to force me to buy Twitter in court where they'll have to <laughs> disclose bot info. That is literally the, the insanity of, of the left. So while I have a good chuckle at this, and it is funny, I'm still very, very concerned now. 
because now Elon Musk is not going to be taking over Twitter. There's not free speech coming to the rescue here, or rather, there's not somebody coming to the rescue of free speech. And we're all going to go back to what can we believe and what do we not believe. And I guess that's my question for you. How do you decide what to believe, whether it's on a Supreme Court decision, whether it's on the crime statistics, whether it's on an individual crime or an individual police-involved shooting, because you get all of this misinformation about cops shooting unarmed people when they were armed. How do you decide what to believe? You can't turn on NBC, ABC, CBS. You can't turn on... um, MSNBC or CNN, and in many cases you can't turn on Fox News either because you just don't know. And you can't open up the Washington Post or the New York Times or the Cleveland Plain Deal or the Chicago Tribune. You can't trust them either. Where do you go for your information that you say, now I believe it because I heard it here? Maybe the answer is talk radio. Maybe it's what you're listening to right now. But if I can't go to CBS or CNN or any of the network TV stations, if I can't go to uh, the newspapers and I can't go to social media because it is just completely polluted by leftists who are who are forcing their indoctrination points upon the people who view and read these accounts and who are literally censoring or silencing or suppressing the viewpoints that they don't agree with, if you can't find your information there, where do you go? Don't say Google. If you say, I Google it, that's what I do, I Google. I Google this and this this term and that term, and that'll tell me the truth. Google is just as dirty, disgusting, and deceptive and dishonest as Twitter, as NBC, as the New York Times. Google is run by California, San Francisco, Bay Area, Silicon Valley leftists. And they also suppress results when you Google things that will disprove their points of view or their political ideologies. So you better not say the Internet. I mean, legitimately, unless you have sources in places that are untainted by the media, and that would include the social media, the legacy media, and even the Internet media, unless you have people inside, you're not getting facts, or at least you can't trust that you are. And I'm curious as to how you handle that. How do you make up your minds? How do you make up your minds on even on which, which candidates they'll vote for? And I'm guessing you better go directly to those sources as well, because the media is not going to present the truth. And this survey, this massive Gallup survey, underscores it's worse now than it has ever been. All right, 216 I'm curious, where do you get your news that you count on as being trustworthy and you can make your decisions based upon it? Where? You tell me, when you start your day, is it Twitter? Is it the newspaper? Is it your local television station? Is it your radio station? I'd like to know. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Right back. So I want to give you a real-world example of what I'm talking about when I say you cannot trust your legacy media, you cannot trust your social media, you cannot trust your you cannot trust your uh, your uh, internet media, because when unreport excuse me unverified and uncorroborated reports are made in these media sources, they can be picked up <clears throat> and spoken into microphones and in front of cameras, 
and they have the ability to impact millions of people, even if they may not have any scintilla of truth behind them. The latest real-world example comes from Joe Biden. On Friday, Biden repeated an unverified single-source claim that has been made in various media outlets that I'm talking about that a 10-year-old girl here in Ohio had to travel to Indiana to get an abortion after she was impregnated by a rapist due to Ohio's new strict abortion laws. Biden repeated the claim while signing an executive order on abortion access, using the story to insist restricting abortion is wrong. The horrifying story has been met with increasing skepticism in the absence of any corroboration of a child rape. This isn't some imagined horror, Biden said. It's already happening. Just last week it was reported that a 10-year-old girl was a rape victim, 10 years old, and she was forced to have to travel out of state to Indiana to seek to terminate the pregnancy and maybe save her life. Now, the way the story is reported, first of all, there is absolutely zero evidence of a rape charge ever being made involving a 10-year-old girl anywhere in the state of Ohio in the last two months. There is no charge that has been filed, but they're declaring this was a rape victim. She's 10 and that she's pregnant, and they know exactly to the day when she got pregnant, that she's six weeks and three days pregnant. And it was just so coincidental that Ohio bans abortion after six weeks now, so this girl who's three days late can't get an abortion in Ohio, and she has to carry at the age of 10 her rapist baby. The problem with this story is absolutely none of it, zero of it, has been double-sourced fact-checked, or corroborated. They have one word from one source, a gynecologist, a pro-abortion gynecologist in Indiana. But Biden ran with it. And Biden is trying to proclaim that it's all true because of one source and media repeated that one source without one ounce of journalistic credibility. This is why I'm asking you, Where are you getting your news? Because you better be getting it from someplace other than what I just described, or you're being lied to. More coming up after the news automatically on AM 1420 The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now at nine minutes past 11 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. So I want to follow up on this, and I'm going to go to your phone calls. <clears throat> Still plenty of time for you to get in at 216-901-0945 and 888 281 
about truth in media and about what you can believe and how you can make your decisions on whom you vote for, on what issues that you advocate for, on arguments and points that you might make with people in sources of debate about your ideology and so forth. I want to get into all of this. And I want to use the Biden story as an example. The president of the United States didn't, well, really, neither he nor his team, nor his um, his advisors, uh, researchers, interns, somebody, <clears throat> give him the facts that are necessary to go in front of a nationally televised audience and declare that a 10-year-old girl in Ohio was raped. And, and, and it was exactly six weeks and three days that she was pregnant that uh, she had to go across state lines because Ohio changed the law here in the state, you know, in the state of Ohio. Rather, let me rephrase, Ohio passed a law that became active once Roe versus Wade was overturned and the right to decide on abortion, abortion law was left to the states. And, of course, we have our heartbeat law. And that means that at six weeks or later, you cannot have an abortion. Now, this is, this is what Joe Biden wanted you to, to hear. He wanted you to hear that this 10-year-old girl was raped and that the state of Ohio, because of its Republican majority, voted to uh, enact the heartbeat law. And so, therefore, this 10-year-old girl is going to have to carry a baby to term at age 10, a rapist baby, no less. And she had to travel out of state to get an abortion. Isn't this awful? Isn't this terrible? See how wrong it is to return the rights to the people, or rather return the issue of abortion rights to the people in the states and their state legislatures. See how terrible this is? And the media just rolled right along with it. Except for the fact that journalistic integrity, journalistic practices, best practices, were completely absent from this entire story because there is no evidence that the, the the child exists there is no evidence that this story in it in and of itself ever even happened the source the single source that news media used that joe biden picked up on here claiming that this is not some imagined horror this is real is an obstetrician gynecologist an OBGYN, a pro-choice one a pro-death one named dr caitlin bernard in indiana she told the Indianapolis Star 10 days ago, on July 1st, that she had received a phone call from a child abuse doctor in Ohio who said they had a 10-year-old patient who needed an abortion. This child abuse doctor was never named. Bernard said the call came three days after the Supreme Court overtook, or coincidentally, I guess, right? Came three days after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which triggered an Ohio law that banned abortion after six weeks. The child in question happened to be exactly six weeks and three days pregnant, meaning her pregnancy allegedly lined up perfectly with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, right? Bernard told the star that the young girl traveled to Indiana to obtain an abortion. Now, I'm going to hit a couple of points here before I continue with this. Number one, the child in question, we have no earthly idea if she exists. The doctor who referred her to Indianapolis had no, uh, doesn't have a name. Now, I know you don't name the child because the child's a minor, obviously, and respecting the privacy. If there was one, they would do that. But the doctor that referred uh, the child to Dr. Caitlin Bernard in Indianapolis is not named either, which is a little odd. That's number one. And number two, they continue to misstate this, the Ohio law. Ohio does not have a six-week abortion ban. There is not a six-weeks gestation ban. It's called a heartbeat law. When the heartbeat is detected, you can't have the abortion after that. And that happens 
around six weeks. Sometimes it may be five and a half weeks into the gestational period. Maybe it's at six and a half weeks for, for, for another. It's around six weeks. It's not hard and fast. Here's the date you can no longer have an abortion after. It's after a heartbeat is detected through a sonogram, an ultrasound. That is when uh, abortion would be illegal at that point in time. Killing that child that is living inside of you, his own beating heart, and so on and so forth. So they continue to misstate the law. That's why they say six weeks and three days, because she missed the mark by three days. She had to carry the, has to carry this baby unless she goes outside of the state to get an abortion. It is just weaved out of whole cloth. So that's important to know. <clears throat> There's more. Shortly after the story went viral, the OBGYN in Indiana who claimed this whole thing stopped answering questions. Previously, she spoke to the media advocating against abortion limits, including in stories for Politico, WFYI in Indianapolis, and WRTV Indianapolis. She was quoted in Politico on June 29th, two days after she allegedly received the phone call about the young girl, but she apparently didn't share the story with the outlet at that time. Also interesting, Snopes tried to contact this doctor after the story went viral, but she didn't respond, and the outlet claimed it is unable to independently corroborate the abortion claim. Now, I bring all of this up to bring you now to the Washington Post. Even the Washington Post, one of those one of those newspapers that I just told you whose credibility has fallen to rock bottom numbers among the American people as part of the media institution, <clears throat> the Washington Post acknowledged what I and other critics have been saying for days since this whole fantasy was created as a as a as a way of trying to um you know, dull the impact of the Roe versus Wade overturn, trying to maybe play on the sympathies of people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, and maybe the sympathies of legislators in various states as to why they need to keep abortion uh, free for all. And how did he say it again? On demand and without apology. That's what they want. So the Washington Post acknowledges what we have been saying that the report, first reported by the Indianapolis Star, because of the conversation with this abortion doctor in Indiana, is, quote, highly dubious. This is what, this, what, this is what the Washington Post finally reported on all of this. The Post reached out to child services agencies in Ohio's most populous cities. No officials who responded said they were aware of any 10-year-old rape victim who was impregnated and who needed to have traveled to Indiana to get, a, uh, to get an abortion. This whole thing is fake. No one is named. Obviously, the child, if this was real, wouldn't be named, but the doctor who referred her certainly would be. An arrest of an individual, if they are claiming this, this, this pregnancy was the result of a rape, uh, the, the, an arrest for somebody for raping a 10-year-old would be on the record somewhere in the last six to eight weeks. Nothing. Nothing. None of it has happened. So the bottom line here is, and by the way, the Daily Wire reached out to Dave Yost, our Attorney General, who said that the Bureau of Criminal Investigation, quote, must be requested by a law enforcement agency or county prosecutor to investigate a potential crime, and that, quote, it had not been requested to assist in any investigation related to these allegations. So again, no investigation done over a rape of a a 10-year-old. 
Dan Tierney, the spokesperson for Governor Mike DeWine, noted that, quote, state agencies that assist local children's service agencies can neither confirm nor deny an investigation unless that case leads to prosecution, end quote. And, of course, that's not happening. Unless a rapist is charged or someone else comes forward to verify and corroborate the claim of this doctor in Indianapolis, it remains unproven. And yet it didn't stop Joe Biden from going public with it. You catch that? It didn't stop Joe Biden from making that big, loud pronouncement. That big pronouncement on uh, on Friday. That a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old, and he said it all you know, firmly. This isn't an imagined horror. This is a real story. She had to go to Indiana to get an abortion to save her own life. It didn't stop him from running, running, running wild with this viral story that has no basis in fact whatsoever. So taking that to the next obvious level is how many people believe Joe Biden? Obviously, he's got a very low percentage of approval rating, but people aren't going to... The uh, a percentage of people that are uh, livid that Roe versus Wade was overturned, are absolutely immediately going to believe him when he tells the story. If they didn't get the story <clears throat> from the viral Internet, they're getting it from Joe Biden on Friday for the first time as he signed this abortion uh, executive order of his. That doesn't carry a lot of weight, by the way. It doesn't overturn what was done by the Supreme Court. It doesn't change anything for the states and so forth. But nonetheless, it was more symbolic than anything else. But as they watched him, and cheered him signing an executive order, or criticized him for not doing enough, in either case, um, they are absolutely going to believe this lie, because the media ran with it without corroborating, without media journalistic integrity, without journalistic best practices. So, again, my point remains the same. How do you know what you can trust when it comes to the media, and how do you make up your mind? Because I'll be honest with you, and this is going to sound very self-serving, because I'm in talk radio, but I think talk radio is honestly and truly maybe the last bastion. If you can't trust legacy media, if you can't trust Internet media, if you can't trust social media, where do you go? And I can tell you from the homework that I do and the people in my industry do, uh, talking to sources that are real, not ju- and, and yes, corroborating sources as well, I can tell you that we bring you information that we believe to be 100% factual. And while it might be agenda-driven because we are conservative-minded, it is never agenda-driven to the point of dishonesty. It's never agenda-driven to the point of telling flat-out lies, like the one that Joe Biden just told, like the ones that the uh, uh, doctor in uh, Indianapolis just told. This might be the only bastion you have left to find truth. Um, Diana's in West Park. Diana, I know I've been uh, doing a lot of monologuing there. Thank you for your patience. appreciate you hanging on. Go ahead. Oh, well, thank you, Bob. Thank you very much. Uh, well, you've got, uh, as my favorite uh, talk show host in uh, Youngstown always says, you've got a high five and an aye aye captain from me that uh, not only talk radio, but local folk like you and uh, also national folk like you on radio, talk radio, get my number one attention for not even so much the news, but the commentary and analysis of the news. I'm not so interested uh, from in the um, radio news shows, to tell you the truth, at uh, 
five to the hour or five after the hour when that comes on, I a lot of times I'll turn that off because I really don't even trust that, no matter whether it's on a uh, conservative uh, uh, network like Salem or uh, whatever. That's about who I listen to. But um, there are just so many wonderful uh, common commentators on these uh, talk radio shows, I I trust them because I know they share my conservative values. And then I listen. Then I listen to people who they have on their shows, such as you, Bob. And I know that you are giving me someone who you trust. And then from there, I go online and. Um, Check out all those people on their um, online sites. Well, I'll tell you what, Diane. I'm 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 really really glad you laid all of that out, um, and and I'm really glad you came to the conclusion you did too, because you're right. I do present information from people that I trust. And people don't just get my trust for the first time I talk to them. They have to be somebody whose record has, has you know, proves that they, they can be trusted, that they have a history of accurate reporting or, or representations of situations. And the best part is, what I try to do, and I think a lot of people in my line of work try to do, um, is that analysis and explanation. You know, sometimes the newscast may or may not be intentionally trying to omit key information, but because they are in such a time budget and a time crunch, they can't do, you know, devote two or three segments to something and really go into the depth of the, uh, of the story the way that I can and will. In other cases, they don't want to because they would rather have the headline be the, you know, the, the news making story and the details beneath it, you know, buried because uh, they don't maybe necessarily support the headline but i'll go into the details and i'll explain these things and then again like you said i'll talk to people that i trust and share them with you so that you so hopefully have something that you can go on that's more than just a viral story that every new and that's the other thing too i apologize for another monologue here but but clickbait is extremely important in the news these days clickbait it's it's news agencies and reporters uh, that when writers that will put salacious headlines or salacious details in a headline that are not necessarily accurate or at least out of context for the purpose of the click. The more clicks they get, the better their web traffic is, the more they can charge for their advertising and so forth. And we don't do clickbait on the radio. I, I give you the facts and I lay them out and explain them. And that's something that, you know, some of the traditional news agencies, I think, get caught up in that uh, maybe cost them a little bit of credibility. Well, Bob, there is no show quite like yours, and your voice is just absolutely uh, one that I always listen to. Well, I have so much respect for several of the other local people Mm -hmm. who um, broadcast out of um, Salem's um, 1220 and 1420 um, programming. And, um, you know, can I make a comment on just one other item you, you brought onto the, uh, program today? Go ahead. Um, this is just more on a, just maybe a lighter note, but, um, speaking of Elon Musk and his, uh, <laughs> wonderful, uh, one, I, I can't say it's anything but a very strategic move. Um, I'd love to watch him and Donald J. Trump have a chess match. 
<laughs> Donald they, Trump doesn't he, like him. They seem, well, yeah. well, but he, you know what? They're both awesome strategists, and uh, um, I, I think that um, we can't find anybody much better than uh, Donald J. Trump to uh, for his. Uh, in, I don't know. I think the man's brilliant, and uh, I do hope that his age will not be a factor in people's minds because. Uh, if he should run again, and I pray to God he does. But uh, many, many people in uh, who we hold in high regard throughout the how throughout mm-hmm. history were quite of age when they made their greatest accomplishments. That and, is very uh, true. That I is very true, and that's why it's he, important. Uh, yeah, that's why it's important to people to understand when I was talking about Biden and even the New York Times story talking about Biden's age. Uh, you know, we're not suggesting that everybody who is past a certain age is no longer capable of, uh, of deep thought or of, you know, handling, you know, affairs or things like that. But it's just that everybody ages differently. Just like everybody's health is different at age 30, everybody's health, both physical and mental, is different from one another at age 80. Some people are a little bit sharper. Some people lose it. And quite, quite honestly, what's happening with, uh, with, uh, Joe Biden is he has lost his ability to think quickly, uh, to you know, to reason on his feet and so forth. He was sharp when he was a younger man. He just is not anymore. I don't think that's an indication of what's to come with Trump, and I don't think that's an indication of anybody else either. This is just a specific case where this is the way that it is for him. So, uh, Diane, thank you for the call. I've got to go here. We're way late here. It's 11.26. I appreciate uh, your messages. And by the way, I hope that this doesn't come off uh, as a hey praise talk radio for me type of plea not at all not at all i'm just literally going process of elimination here and talking about what this survey showed that the american people do not trust the american media and if you can't trust the american media who do you trust to get your news from if that answer becomes talk radio i'll take it but i just don't want you to think that's what i'm soliciting here 1127 right back after the news Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Always right radio with Bob France of the answer. Eleven thirty nine now, always right radio at AM fourteen twenty the answer. Well, I'm having a few tech problems this morning that are unusual and uh trying to correct them. I want you to hear this. Hey Bob, Brian from Cleveland here. Just wanted to reach out and say that predominantly I get a majority of my news from the likes of, say, you, Bongino, Gorka. I listen to Hugh once in a while in the morning, only because there's not really much else to listen to. And I couldn't listen to five minutes of NPR, so we got to <laughs> take them out of the talk radio block. But other than that, like your other caller said, you listen to people you trust. It's verifiable. It might be a little, you know, one-sided because of the conservative aspect of it, but it is what it is, man. Keep laying it out. Keep telling the truth. Rock on. Repeat the line. Rock on. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I did not expect that. That was outstanding. Can you dig it? <laughs> Repeat the line, rock on. 
Oh, Brian uh, in Brunswick. That was outstanding. Thank you for making my morning so far, by the way. I was going to do my own repeat the line stuff here. I was, I was uh, just in the process of... We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by... Go, you know the, you know the thing. Repeat the line. You know the, you know the thing. Repeat the line. You know the, you know the thing. I was going to have fun with that myself. You beat me to the punch, Brian. That was very well done. By the way, um, the fact that you and I, not only do we not trust NPR, National Public Radio, I'm literally in competition with NPR for listeners, and I'm paying them to do it. Because it's national public radio. They still are federally funded with your tax dollars in mind. How much sense does that make? You don't trust them, but you're paying them to give you information that you don't believe to be accurate. That is as frustrating and as wrong as it gets. But I do appreciate the message. Uh, Brian left that on alwaysright.us. Good morning, Bob. Just call me Susie. The news sources that I trust the most, the ones that are my go-to, is first of all, I start the day out with the morning wire put out by the Daily Wire. They keep me informed and up-to-date on what's happening in our nation. And then for my local news and information, of course, I come to you. Bob France on 1420 AM, The Answer Radio, right here in the greater Cleveland area. All right, Susie, thank you for that as well. I appreciate the message. And again, I hope it didn't sound like I was trolling for uh, compliments here that we, you know, what we do is, is, is the right news. I literally want to know where you're getting it if you can't get it from those other sources. And um, I do. I think talk radio is kind of maybe that, um, you know, that light in the darkness of disinformation. Uh, because and and by the way, to Brian's other point, the previous message there. Um, and by the way, you get the idea here, right? This is the way it works. You leave the message for me on alwayswrite.us. Click the sound off button there. Just click, put in your name, click record, say what you've got to say. Uh, click end record and send. It'll come right to me, and I'll play it on the radio. And this way, you don't have to wait on hold. But I will play, and I will respond to it. The other thing Brian said that I think was extraordinarily important there is he said, you know, it might be one-sided because of the conservative lean, but it is what it is. And I will admit that fully and openly. It is absolutely one-sided by necessity because this one side is the one side that is silenced by the mainstream and social media news uh, decision makers. Do you see what I mean? Why would I, I mean... Let me rephrase. I don't want to say I would never be fair and balanced. I am fair and balanced. And I do present the other side, but usually to criticize it, to mock it and ridicule it, because I disagree with it. And I've got facts that back up my opinions, which which drive my disagreement, right? So I'll give the other side only to rip it and tell you the right side, the correct side. And I apologize for that not, because... You're never going to turn on NBC, CBS, or ABC, or CNN, or MSNBC, or read the Times and the Post and all, the Plain Dealer and all these other places and see the other side given. You're going to see that side, the left side, the Marxist side, the socialist side, and they're going to bury or just destroy the conservative, quote-unquote, side. So if I come on here and I sign one, sound one-sided, it's by design. It is by intent, and it is something that I would never, ever apologize for, never would I change. That's why I know I'm in the right place. 25 years in radio, the last uh, seven plus of which now have been here. This is where I've been most at home because I can present the side that I believe in, the side that needs to be heard, the side that makes 
this country so definitively great, the greatest in the human history of human civilization. I'm allowed to argue for that passionately and with sincerity, and I'll never stop. Thanks to Jim Jordan for joining us. Thanks to Kurt Schlichter. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.